I want to preach to you tonight. You know, I, I used to think that the Song of Solomon was a deep, strange book. I'd skip over it and go to the Psalms and Proverbs. In fact, I, I use it as a book of text, pay no attention really to its message. You can call that confession if you want to. But when I realized how much emphasis the Jews paid to it, it, it was read by the Jews at the past feast of the Passover and the fact that God wanted it in the Bible, I felt that maybe I should look at it a little closer. It's actually a very powerful book that tells a beautiful story both for the time it was written and for the future. Song of Solomon has a key to it. It is a recounting. It is the Bible's lover's lane. There are three acts to this drama. And I want to take you on a trip down lover's lane tonight. There are two main characters in the book. The Shulamite woman and the shepherd. The Shulamite woman is rich, but she lost her estate. The first challenge of the book of the Song of Solomon is to first notice who is speaking and sometimes it is the shepherd and sometimes the Shulamite. In Act 1, they meet and they are lighthearted. It is love at first sight. They spend the night of courtship making comparisons so they can remember each other because of a soon absence. He goes first, and in the fourth chapter, he says of her, Your teeth as sheep are twins, hair as goat's hair, neck as the tower of David. Wow, how would you like for a guy to tell you that, girls? Oh, baby, your neck reminds me of the tower of David. Your hair is just like goat's hair. <laughs> Try that on the first date. Now I'm going to let you laugh a minute. We know that the Shulamite woman is a type of Israel and of the church. The shepherd is a type of God dealing with Israel and the church. You see, what we must know tonight is that if Adam and Eve would have kept their first estate, there never would have been a time of weeping or of pain or death. But they lost their first estate just like the Shulamite woman did and fell from affluence to poverty. Bring your microscope and look. Millenniums in a moment tonight, an ocean in a drop. In one moment's time, God was mistrusted and distrusted. In one moment's time, Eden's gate was closed and sin's door flung wide open. We can see the effects in the still face of righteous Abel.
and drunken Noah and babbling Shinar, Egypt's bondage and a serpent in the wilderness and on and on and on. But the good news is the king showed up. Jesus came to atone. He came to bring at one mint. He came to bring restoration. He came to teach us it's better to have faith than doubt. Come on, I'm trying to help somebody here tonight. It's better to seek than it is to shun. It's better to love than it is to hate. Hallelujah. He came to be the mediator. There's one mediator between God and men. The man, Christ Jesus. Watch this now. He came where we are so we can go where he is. Come on, I'm trying to take somebody on a trip down lover's lane. I want you to know that your bridegroom loved you enough to come among us, live among men, make himself a human being just so we can go to where he is. I wish somebody thank him right now. John says in the first chapter of John, in the beginning was the Word. The word for word is the Greek word logos. It means, among other things, idea. If I have an idea, it can never be known until I set it down or write it in a book. The book is the manifestation of the idea. Jesus is God's idea manifested in the flesh. Jesus was God and man. In Him, there was divine wisdom, but it was cradled in a human brain. Divine power was there, but it moved in a human arm. Ah, you're not going to help me right now. Divine love was there, but it beat in a human heart. Hear me right now. He was as much God as he was man, and as much man as he was God, and he loved you enough. The infant dependent upon his mother's care is the God who gave the power to draw water from the sea and from him the moon derived its power over tides. The lad toddling about the carpenter's shop of Nazareth and playing in the sawdust on the floor is the God who stood at the head of creation. The child curling wood shavings created the trees from which the wood derived. Are you hearing me right now? The child learning to talk spoke the worlds 
existed. The Holy Ghost right now. I'm telling you, he's not just any bridegroom. He is the lover of all lovers. Come on, somebody. And he loved you enough to look beyond what you were, who you were, what you would be. He said, I'm going to go and I'm going to take them on a trip down lover's lane. And when I'm through with them, I'm going to take them to a place called heaven. He who was hungry was the living bread. He who was thirsty was the living water. The very attributes that make Jehovah God, Jesus also claims. God is omnipotent. Jesus said, all power in heaven and in earth belong to me. God is omniscient. So is Jesus. The woman at the well said, come and see a man who told me all things. He was wrapped up in a body, but he was God manifested in the flesh. He knew what they were thinking. He knew what they were about to say. Come on, somebody. I'm talking about a trip down lover's lane. God is omnipresent. So is Jesus. Where two or three are gathered in my name, there am I in the midst. That means if there are two or three gathered in Germany, he's there. If there's two or three gathered in Anderson, he's there. If there are two or three gathered in Wabash, he's there. Come on now. I'm trying to help somebody understand that there is a lover of all lovers and he's everywhere at all times. And let me just tell you something about him. He sees all things at all times. Brother Kevin, when he sees your need, he takes care of that, but he can look at my need at the same time and take, come on somebody. When I look at you, i got to look at you one at a time or go cross-eyed. But when God looks at you, He looks at you and He sees somebody over there and somebody over there and somebody around. Come on, somebody. Why? Because He's an omnipresent God. He's everywhere at all times. You'd be seated. God is eternal. Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. You can't tell me that he wasn't God because he identified everything that he identified himself with. It was the attribute of God. He, oh, listen to me. He thought like God. He loved like God. He judged like God. You hear me tonight. He cared like God. He looked beyond faults like God. He had grace like God. He had mercy like God. Why? Because he was God. God is immutable. 
He never changes. Somebody said Jesus Christ. The same yesterday, today, and forever. What he was back then, he still is today. What he was when he was born in a stable, he still is today. He may have had to develop human skills, but he never had to develop any God skills because he was God before he was man. Jesus was God in the flesh. We can know God in the flesh. Through Jesus Christ. Have you ever noticed how partial God was or is to shepherds? God has always been partial to shepherds. Look at how many who were greatly used of God who were also shepherds. Men like Jeremiah, Ezekiel, the teacher of wisdom in Ecclesiastes. The writer of the 23rd Psalm, Abraham, Jacob, Moses, keeping Jethro's sheep, Amos, to mention a few. But Jesus was the great shepherd. He was the one that the 23rd Psalm is about. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He leadeth. He maketh. He prepares, and surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. Let me take you down lover's lane tonight and tell you, the Lord is your shepherd. You don't have to want. You don't have to worry. You don't have to need. Listen to me. He'll take care of you in the presence of your enemy. He'll bless you in the valley, the biggest valleys of your life. Listen to me. And he won't leave you. He'll go with you. He said, surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. So what are you doing? Oh, just me and my lover are walking this life. And he's following me. And everywhere he goes, he gives me goodness. And he gives me mercy. God in heaven. I wish somebody thank him because he is the lover of your soul. Watch, you be seated. Watch this. The Lord is so concerned and he cares so much for all of us. When Marie Antoinette was on her way to become queen. Orders were given that all the sick and infirm ones on the roads along to pass, they were to be removed because she didn't want to be touched by any infirmity. Ah, how glad I am tonight that my lover, my lover, said, bring me the blind. Bring me the halt. Bring me the maim. Come on, somebody. 
He didn't say move them out of the way. He said bring them to where I am because I want to touch every one of them. I love them enough that I'm not going to let their infirmities separate me from them, but I'm going to heal them and draw them to me and make them a vessel that I come on somebody. I'm telling you, if you're sick tonight, you're in a great place. Because the lover of your soul is in this place. And he's not going to pass you by. He's going to meet you at the point of your need. And you can leave here made whole in the name of Jesus. How glad we are. The wayside. We're always strong with suffering who came or who were brought in the hope that they might be healed. Many of his miracles were performed as he passed by. Oh, what a Savior. What a Savior. Brother Miller, he didn't pass me by because of what I was. But he stopped by because he saw what I could be. You not hear me. Your daddy said you were going to be an alcoholic. Your mama said you were going to be a drug addict. But Jesus said, wait just a minute. Your lover said, wait just a minute. Let me stop by here. Now I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to break that cycle. I'm going to break that past. I'm going to set you free to walk in the liberty. Come on, somebody. To walk in the liberty of your future. Devil, do you hear me? You can't hold this people down by their past because the lover of their soul said they're set free. Watch this. He was oppressed with hunger. Yet he is the living and celestial bread. He was parched with thirst. Yet he cried out, If anyone thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He promised to be a fountain unto believers. He was weary, but he was rest to those who were weary and heavy laden. He was weighed down with sleep. But he walked lightly on the wave and he rebuked the winds and he bare up Peter from the rolling billows. He says tonight, if you're thirsty, I will be your drink. If you're hungry, I will be your food. If you're weary, I will be your rest. Let me take you down lover's lane tonight and tell you whatever you have need of, your lover has what it takes to meet that need. The Lord alone is worthy to be worshipped as our God. Evil never touched his spirit. Corruption didn't approach his body. He was born in denial of the laws of life. He died in defiance of the laws of death. He was the Lord of law. 
ideal of sacrifice, master of suffering, the grandest intellect, the purest heart that this low world has ever known. He has left us the faith which bears His name. He has left us the august opportunity of everlasting life. There is not, there never was, there never may be a miracle as strange as the life of Jesus Christ. Explain Him to me if you can. Explain Him to me if you will. There will be no difficulty with any lesser wonder. But I tell you tonight that I know this one thing. That Jesus is the lover of my soul. Christ alone is the perfect ideal. Thou art the Christ, said a Jewish peasant with instinctive conviction, the Son of the living God. Centuries have only confirmed this spontaneous tribute to Jesus' life. No one has yet discovered the word which Jesus ought not to have said. None suggested a better word that he might have said. No action of his has fallen short of the ideal. This man alone never made a false step, never struck a jarring note. Socrates taught for 40 years, Plato for 50 years, Aristotle for 40, and Jesus for only three. Yet the influence of Christ's three-year ministry infinitely transcends the impact left by the combined 130 years of teaching from these men who were among the greatest philosophers of antiquity. Jesus painted no pictures, uh, yet some of the finest paintings uh, of Raphael, Michelangelo, Leonardo da Vinci received their inspiration from him. Jesus wrote no poetry, but Dante and Milton and scores of the world's greatest poets were inspired by him. Jesus composed no music, still Haydn, Handel, Beethoven, Bach, Mendelssohn reached their highest perfection of melody in the hymns, uh, symphonies, and areas they composed in His praise. Every sphere of human greatness has been enriched by this humble carpenter of Nazareth who was God manifested in the flesh. Jesus Christ called himself the Alpha and Omega. And hear me right now when I tell you we don't have to go outside of him for anything that we need. He is God's everything. For all situations, 
It doesn't matter how dire it seems. Doesn't matter how desperate it may feel. I can tell you, he's the Alpha and Omega. He's the beginning and the end. You don't have to go anywhere to get what you need. You can find it in the lover of your soul. His name is Jesus. And he's got everything you need. Could you imagine? Could you imagine the number of words it took to write a 30 volume set of the Encyclopedia Britannica? It must be an awesome number. But an even more amazing thing is that only 26 different letters were used. The authors didn't have to go outside of the alphabet to assemble that massive collection of knowledge. It provided everything they needed for this one task. Can I tell somebody, you don't have to go anywhere to get what you need tonight. Alpha, Omega, beginning, the end. Watch, the Bible said he is the author and the finisher of my faith. He knows the end from the beginning. Oh, somebody, you don't know what tomorrow's going to bring, but he knows how your life's going to turn out. Why don't you put your life in his hand? Why don't you put your hands in his hand? Why don't you trust him with your life? You don't have to go anywhere else. Listen, there's not a doctor that can fix you like Jesus. There's not a lawyer that can counsel you like Jesus. There's not a psychiatrist that can fix you like Jesus. He's got got everything that you need. All he needs you to do tonight is to fall in love with him like he's in love with you. Let me hurry on. I ain't even got through act one yet. Jesus is the great shepherd who understands. Are you lonely? He's the one who walked the wine press alone. Are you weeping over the betrayal of friends? He had one friend betray him and another deny him. Are you broken hearted? He understands how you feel. You may feel God is so vague. You only need to understand Him. He died for us. He came to bring an at-one-ment, atonement, to bring man and God back to speaking terms. The shepherd had to elevate the Shulamite. It's what Jesus did on Calvary for us. He died. He made a sacrifice of himself. He died. He went to the mercy seat for the world but found none for himself. He died and the agonies he endured we deserved. He died and the wages of sin that were paid to him he never earned. 
We did. He died to provide that which we never deserved, the gift of eternal life. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, let me say something to you. Our emblem is not a cradle or a scepter or a crown. Our emblem is a cross. We have the shepherd professing his love and making provision to lift this woman who has lost her estate. He wanted to lift her. Can I tell somebody here tonight, you were lost and undone. You were headed for a devil's hell. You were destined for eternity without God. But the God of all glory went to a cross. And this is what he said. He said, if I, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. They elevated him on a cross, but they didn't know what they were doing. In fact, the Bible said, had they known, they would have never crucified him. But when they lifted him up on that cross, what he did was he drug you out of that miry pit of sin. He elevated you to a place where now now you can have eternal life. Come on, I wish somebody thank him because he's the lover of your soul. Uh, help me right now. Help me right now. Come on, praise him. Uh, oh, God. to the departure of the shepherd notice that the shepherd leaves he doesn't want to go but he must then he returns to knock on the door his voice is not recognized by the time the Shulamite woman comes to the door he's gone but there's a lingering fragrance the Shulamite woman realizes who it was and she goes into the streets have you seen my beloved the question comes why is he so important and the Shulamite says he is the fairest among ten thousand he is altogether lovely Oh, listen to me right now. Jesus died. He left and was resurrected. He made a brief appearance, knocked on the door, as it were. Then he had to go away. He didn't want to go away, but he said, I got to go away. 
Wait just a minute. You know what a lover does? A lover doesn't need leave you stranded. A lover doesn't leave you alone. A lover doesn't leave you to fend for yourself. But a lover said, wait just a minute. I'm going to slip off here for a little while. But when I come back, everything's going to be better. Jesus said, I go away to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. God help us right now. But wait a minute. Wait a minute. Let's get back to the scene here. He made a brief appearance. Then he had to go away. He didn't want to. But he had to go. It was necessary. There was a man in an airport that was obviously saying goodbye to his sweetheart. He didn't want to leave, but he had to. He kept returning to her until finally he would have missed his plane and he had to go. Jesus didn't want to go, but he had to. But even though he left, watch me now, he left his fragrance. He left his presence. He left his spirit. Every time I get to feeling alone, every time I get to feeling like I don't know if I can hardly make it, all I got to do is throw my hands up and my head back. And his presence, that sweet smelling fragrance of the Holy Ghost shows up. And the Lord reminds me, I haven't left you. I haven't forsaken you. I'm right here with You see, your lover, he won't leave you without evidence that he's been there. And the presence of the Lord is with you always. Watch this. What do we have in return because he left us his presence? Years ago, family wanted to adopt a little girl they said to her if you come live with us be our little girl you'll have a nice room you'll have toys she asked what do I have to do in return they hugged her and said you only have to love us all the Lord wants is for us to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind, with all our strength. If you love him, you'll pray. If you love him, you'll fast. If you love him, you'll live a holy life. If you love him, you'll witness. Come on, somebody. We are living in the interval between his going and his coming. He says, occupy until I come. That doesn't mean fill in space. It meant occupy yourself with his work. Come on. (laughs) When he comes back, he's going to come back looking for what you've done in the kingdom. 
He's not going to see if you buried your talent somewhere. He's not coming back to see if you've kept what you've always had. But when he comes back, he's coming back looking for somebody that says, Look, look, the lover of my soul. It's not only me, but look at these hundreds behind me that have come because they've fallen in love with you too. If you love him, you'll praise him. It's always pleasant to set forth the praises of someone you love. If you have grandchildren, you know what I mean. Someone asks you for pictures, you open up your iPhone or your whatever other kind. I didn't know there was any other kind of phones, but... You know, used to, we used to have these big photo albums and somebody asks you about your kid and you open them up and it falls clear to the floor full of pictures. My Gracie walked in there tonight with that beautiful hair hanging down and I thought, God, you got to stop this. God, don't let her grow anymore. Just keep her right where she's at. She's beautiful and she loves you. You hear me right now? The Lord wants you to understand all He wants you to do is love Him and praise Him and shower your praises upon Him. He's the lover of your soul. The Shulamite woman set forth the praises of her shepherd. He's the altogether lovely, fairest among 10,000. Listen from one end to the other. The Bible is a handbook of praise for Jesus Christ. I praise Him for what He's doing now. Lo, I am with you always, He said. Not part of the journey, but all the way He's going with us. My shoulder will be next to yours, he said. Not just until the load gets heavy. I'll go with you no matter how steep the way. I'll go with you no matter how deep the water. They will not overflow you. No matter what you're going through, the load has gotten heavy. The road has gotten steep. Water has gotten deep. Furnace has gotten hot. But I tell you, your lover has been there. I hurry. The revelation of the shepherd. Shulamite woman is summoned to the palace to marry King Solomon. She said she didn't want to marry the king. She wanted to marry the shepherd. The wedding at the palace began. Tradition has it that the king stood at the top of the stairway. She looks up and sees the king and realizes that the shepherd and the king are the same person. The key to the book is in the opening line that I read to you tonight. 
the song of songs, which is Solomon's. It's been thought of as Solomon's courtship of true love. I want to tell you tonight that Jesus is anxious to come. But it must be in the fullness of time. The New Testament writers speak of his returning soon or quickly. With the apparent expectation that he might return in the writer's own lifetimes. Liberals have long tried to make this a point against the Bible's infallibility. However, the meaning of returning soon is that it would happen at any moment. It's like my, I know probably some of you don't have these, but it's like my answering machine. The message informs the caller that I'm away and that I will return soon. I use the same message whether I expect to be gone two minutes or two weeks. So if some of you have called in the last two weeks, I haven't been there. I got your message. I just checked it tonight. For the very simple reason that I want to encourage the person without revealing exactly how long I will be gone. There's coming a day when the scales will drop from our eyes. Now we see through a glass darkly. Now we know in part and I praise Him for what He's going to do. He is coming. It is a fact. You can be sure of it. The prophet said he'd be born of a virgin. And he was. They said he'd be betrayed by a friend. And he was. That he would be sold for 30 pieces of silver. And he was. Potter's field bought for the trader. And it was. And they say that he's coming again. And he will come. Probably the most powerful promise of His coming is the one made by the Olivet Angels. This same Jesus <laughs> that you see go away. He's coming again. Just like you've seen Him go, He's coming back. I wish somebody would shout about that right now. Ah, oh, Hallelujah. you but I'm a little excited about the rapture this world is not my home I'm just passing through I don't want anything connecting me to this world watch it he rode an animal into Jerusalem but when he comes again He'll be riding on the clouds of glory. He came meek and lowly. But when he comes again, it'll be in triumph and judgment. He rode slowly then, but he'll come again as lightning in the sky. He came to Jerusalem accompanied by the sounds of hallelujah. When he comes again, it'll be with shouts and trumpets. He came with the eyes of Israel on him. But when he comes again, every eye shall see him. 
And by the way, they're going to see my footprints. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the trump of God shall sound. The dead in Christ shall rise first. Then those of us which are alive and remain will rise to meet him. In the I said he's coming back. And when he comes back, I'm going with him. Watch this. <laughs> we shall know him as one we've loved with all our hearts, with all our souls, with all our mind, with all our strength. I want to see Jesus, the one who found me when I was lost, the one I've never seen but have loved through all these years. I'm going to see him and I'm going to know him. Come on, somebody. Our shepherd who has led us and guide us is also our king. How dark and how dismal are the outlook and future for those who fail to reckon with God and His gloom-dispelling, hope-kindling, prophetic word. Jesus said, and when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. Don't despair about the condition of the world. It's bringing on the coming of the King. Come on, somebody. Don't you get depressed. Don't you live in fear. Don't you run and hide. Look up, look up, look up, look up, look up, look up, look up. Jesus is coming. The lover of your soul is on his way. God's children scan the world horizons through the telescope of a sure word of prophecy. They're constrained to exclaim, the coming of the Lord draweth nigh. Don't feel sorry for the church. She's a betrothed bride. And the wedding is soon. Our shepherd is also our king. You can stand with me. I want you to get a hold of this right here. She stands down at the bottom of the steps. She's thinking all this time, oh, it's not the king that loved me. I want to marry the shepherd. He's the one that knocked on my door. He's the one that everywhere I went, I could sense his presence. I could smell when he'd been there. I knew that I just missed him. That's the one I want to marry. But she walks into that palace. The king is standing atop the stairs. She says, wait just a minute. I recognize him. When I seen him the first time, he didn't have a crown. He looked like a shepherd. He smelled like a shepherd. He acted like a shepherd. But he loved like a shepherd. 
But now my shepherd has become my king and my king shall be my husband. He shall be my lover. Come on somebody, I'm trying to tell you. You may feel like you're being going through a valley right now and need the shepherd but I've got good news for you the shepherd and the king are on their way and they're not separate they're together they're one in the same and I can't wait Bishop Bingham to take off my crown and cast it at his feet and say, finally, we're together. I've only heard about you. I've only preached about you. I've only talked about you. I've walked beside you. But here's my crown. I surrender everything that I've ever earned in this life. And I bow down before you. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. It's going to be so cool. It's going to be so cool because the angels are going to step back. And they're going to say, oh my, where'd that come from? That's his pride. Look, it's not one, but it's thousands upon ten thousands. And he's going to espouse them to himself. Finally, the marriage supper of the Lamb is about to happen. I wonder tonight if there's anybody that would step out of your seat and walk down that aisle throw your hands up in the air and say Lord no matter what happens between now and then I'm going to love you with all my heart with all my soul with all my mind with all my strength I'm going to walk down lover's lane with you every day of my life I'm going to let your presence dwell in me come on that's it come on he loves you tonight he cares for you tonight he won't leave you he's walking beside you right now in the name of Jesus in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, if you're here and you haven't started your relationship with Him, you need to come to the altar tonight. Repent of your sins. Be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Let Him fill you with the Holy Ghost. It's the only way that you're going to be espoused to the bridegroom is to take on his name in baptism. Come on, church, let's praise him right now.